Coming to you live from the Mistopheles Studios, it's Dark Fringe Radio. All I'm offering is the truth, nothing more. That is power. Hey guys, uh, thanks for joining us on another edition of Dark Fringe Radio. And of course... Uh, I am uh, Will Martinez, your host, and my co-host is always Mr. Jay Galosi himself. How are you, Jay? Fantastic. I thank you for the extra flavor and yeah, yeah. roll. And I had the, to do all that, yeah, yeah with that yeah. Bruce Buffer too. The flourish. <laughs> um, all I was missing was the Bruce Buffer jacket, the, the, the glitter jacket. That was it. He's he's going cuckoo with those, those Listen, jackets. it's getting out of hand, isn't it? The last Seriously. bit for you. It was like a blue sequence, like fucking glitter jacket. What was up with that? Uh, he looks like Liberace's farts. Oh, but you know what? He's tough as nails from what I heard. I guess he got into a fight with Frank Trigg. Yeah, in the elevator between him and Frank Trigg. And, and and I guess Dana White was in the elevator at the same time. And it, things got kind of out of hand. And you don't you know, want Yeah, of smoke. course, Frank Trigg got the better of him. But still, he put up a fight, fucking you know, Frank Trigg. Yeah. <laughs> Frank Trigg almost got the better of Matt Hughes. Exactly, exactly. And then he got run across the octagon and uh, slammed for his trouble. Too bad for Twinkle Toes. Well, One can... of my all-time favorite highlights. I mean, yeah. Matt Hughes is a douche, but well, anyways, shit, could that guy slam some people? Absolutely, absolutely. Well, anyways, uh, you know, getting off the MMA uh, tip there. Uh, there. Thank you, and joining us on another edition for Dark Fringe Radio, of course. And uh, tonight we have a very special guest that we'll be getting into our interview with Mr. Todd Nice. And uh, he is a um, prolific Bigfoot hunter researcher, has been doing it for a very long time, 30 plus years. I mean, I mean, it's just, just amazing, you know, just the, the you know, <laughs> some of the stories that he has and what his take is on the whole, you know, Bigfoot Sasquatch thing. It's really in, in amazing. And uh, I hope you guys enjoy this interview. Me and Jay had a great time with him as well. So um, but um, before we get into that, Jay, um, I would like to get into how to l- let everyone know how they can listen to the podcast. Very simple. How, William? How? Very, very simple. Darkfringeradio.com. That's it. All you got to do is go right there, and that is the solution to all your troubles. So once you go there, darkfringeradio.com, uh, you can scroll um, all the way to the bottom. You can listen to the episode or watch the episode right there at the bottom, um, or you can go to the top and uh, click on any of the streaming services um, that uh, you normally would use, Spotify, Stitcher. We're all on all those you know big ones. Uh, but, yeah, you can check us out there and make sure you leave us uh, a you know, comment, five-star rating some type of subscribe we'd really appreciate that it definitely helps with the advertisers so thank you for doing that and uh make sure you check us out darkfringeradio.com that's where you can listen to the uh the latest episodes and all the content as well and of course uh, we're all over social media too jay uh facebook instagram twitter at dark fringe radio so simple go there we have uh shit dropping there every day i mean we're dropping on the reg on the reg on the reg i mean on the reg. yeah and actually 
that actually leads me right in, excuse me, Jay, to uh, As the World Burns. And so how does that segue into As the World Burns? Because there was something that I kind of wanted to bring up because there was something that I had posted yesterday on social media. Um, Did that, you? Yeah, that completely got swept under the fucking radar, got swept under the media carpet. So, Jay, I don't know. Uh, we talked about this briefly, but we really didn't pontificate upon this much because I said, let's save it for the podcast. Sure but did. there was an article that came out four days ago uh, from Fox 6 Milwaukee, basically saying Jeffrey Epstein prison guards admit to falsifying records, Jay. So, uh, what? <laughs> yeah. So, you they know, weren't entirely truthful. <clears throat> no, no. I mean, it's so surprising, right? That they weren't Get so the truthful. front door. I know, I know. I mean, it's so surprising. But it it was, uh, um, again, something that we have actually talked about. Um, Shit, I'm trying to remember what number episode that was. But we've talked about, well, we've talked, we've covered the Epstein thing. Yeah, I think it was like episode 68. And we we covered a whole episode on Jeffrey Epstein. So I implore all you guys, uh, if you haven't checked that out, go back into our archives, go into, uh, uh, um, you know, our website. You can check it out there as well. It's episode number 68, and that's where we talk a full episode on Jeffrey Epstein. So very important. We give a whole timeline. I think we went through the whole timeline, Jay. We gave our opinions as to what we thought happened after. You know what I mean? You gave your opinion. I gave mine. You know, you thought he was really dead. I say that the guy's fucking still alive. No, 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 no. Homeboy is worm food. (laughs) They they falsified records. They didn't say he ain't dead. (laughs) That's true. I'll give you that. You're right about that. You're absolutely right. You know, it didn't say that he escaped or anything like that. Yeah, it's um, not. Oh, my God. We don't know how he died. It's right. Oh, my God. He's definitely dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the Washington Associated Press basically came out and said uh, the two Bureau prisons workers tasked with guarding Jeffrey Epstein the night that he killed himself. In New York, in the New York jail, it has admitted to falsifying records, Jay. Uh, but they will actually skirt any jail time behind bars under a deal with the federal prosecutors. Authority said this past Friday. So wait, wait, <laughs> just let me get just. Yeah, you want to read that part wait, to I you again? Gotta, I gotta, I want to try to wrap my. Yeah, yeah, I'm sipping the tea. I've been on, on that purple Wookiee. Okay, mm. let me just wrap my. So what they're saying is yeah. that the guards who were supposed to be watching him not kill himself. Correct. Let's just say he did kill himself. Correct. Which we all oh, know he didn't. But let's just say he did. Right. Have admitted to falsifying records, but they're not going to get any jail time, mm-hmm. uh, you know, because they're really nice guys. <laughs> yeah, they're cooperating with the investigation and will uh, cooperate with the investigation as seen fit by the federal prosecutors. And by doing so, they will skirt any kind of jail time uh, whatsoever. So the two prison workers, Jay, Tova Noel and Michael Thomas, accused of sleeping and browsing the Internet instead of monitoring Jeffrey Epstein the night he took his life in August of uh, 2019. So uh, they were both charged with lying on prison records, Jay, uh, to make it seem as though they had made uh, the required cell checks uh, on the financier before uh, he was found in his cell on August 10th. And the New York City's medical examiner ruled Epstein's death a suicide, which, again, that has been rebuffed and refuted by 
other autopsy um everyone <laughs> besides everyone uh which is like the court of what do they say public opinion William. uh but yeah william yes sir everyone is all encompassing my guy oh yes yes everyone everyone i don't think any of us really think that that I think the split is on if you think he's alive or dead. Yeah. Listen, uh, at the very I, least, I don't I'm think on it's your on side. How if he's dead. Yes. Listen, at, at the very least, I'm on your side. At the very least, he is dead, but he was not. He did not kill himself. I'll give you that. Yeah. And my guess is these two gentlemen are somehow going to end up also on suicide watch. Right? Okay. Or dead. Or dead or die of some kind of mysterious way. So I would implore everybody to keep a very sharp eye. Yeah, yeah. I was alluding to you. you Yeah. I was was laying down a very sophisticated narrative. Yeah. I know. I know, Jay. I know. But you're not delicate. I know I'm not. I just go right in. And if you find one of these guys dead of some kind of crazy suicide, I wouldn't be surprised, or both. You know what I mean? Or get killed by some kind of random act of, uh, you know, uh, robbing or something like that. I mean, just something stupid that doesn't make sense. It'll be something weird. Yeah, it'll be something weird. You'll see. It'll happen. Like one of them is going to like overdose in their car. Right. Exactly. And then we said the same thing when we did this Epstein episode, Jay. We said that this didn't make any fucking sense. Not, it's not going to make it a court, but it didn't make any sense. And we knew that the fucking guards were lying. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So they obviously know more than what they're lit. I think to me, they know a lot more than what's what they're letting on too. 100%. Because how did, okay. So if he didn't kill himself, somebody had to come in somehow, some way, right, Jay? There's only a one way in one way out. I'm assuming. Ideally. Ideally. So were they in on that as well? Did it go that far? And one would think that there might be, I don't know, video footage. No. Of said, you think? You think? The age of 2019. I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I can Google Earth and see the inside of most people's bathrooms. Yeah, 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 yeah. But there's no video footage of a high-class inmate on a suicide watch right you know that's so true what you just said about google earth you know my son told me the other day that he did a google search uh, earth search of our house yeah and he did like further down the street and there was actually a photo of him but his face was blurred out because he was walking home from school isn't that hey, creepy bro it's, it's big brother man you just, there's there's not a moment of our lives it's not not uh being very far. we're being watched and, right now and, and that, it's not oh, by just our listeners I mean, oh they're listening they're listening on this right now and i want to say hi alphabet people hello alphabet three-letter hey, alphabet hey, people hey we don't gotta, <laughs> we don't, we don't gotta there, man. i'm just we're saying hi i'm just i'm not baby. threatened i'm just saying hi i love you guys it's all good it's all good in the hood but <clears throat> but yeah that's yeah. what i'm saying <laughs> It seems like you would think that the parts they would be focused on is the exciting shit and not the boring right. minutia. Right. right. But no, exciting shit like Jeffrey Epstein's implausible death. Yeah. Yeah. And how many people that it affects higher up? Like, you know, it, it goes very high in the scheme of things. And that's where it gets kind of sticky. You know what I mean? So I implore everybody to go back, listen to that episode. 
again, we did that. Me and Jay spent a whole episode on Jeffrey Epstein. It was a great episode. I mean, go back and listen to it. I'm not going to kind of rehash any of that stuff again, but I implore everybody to go back and listen to that. So, uh, Jay, that was it for me for tonight for As the World Burns. And, of course, uh, nobody paid any fucking attention to this fucking story because everybody's worried about coronavirus and everything else. And It's scary, really. Anyways. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that brings us into our next uh, segment, Jay, which is What the F Florida Man. Of course, this segment always brings a smile to my face. Uh, and it's here to my eye at the same time, but... A Florida man. A Florida man. A Florida man. Now to the town of Sefner, Florida, near Tampa, where last night the earth opened up as it does increasingly, and this time it swallowed a 37-year-old man as he slept in his home. A man accused of destroying a liquor store in Okaloosa County told police he was in Alice in Wonderland. Matthew Horace Jones also said a caterpillar smoking a hookah told him to do it. A man calls 911 while Collier County Sheriff's deputies are chasing him, and he says... Donald Trump, our president, is his personal friend, a close one at that. A Lickworth man is uh, not too happy. He's accused of getting violent when waiters at a restaurant told him they weren't giving away free pizza. Covering Florida this morning, a Key West man is behind bars. Investigators say he was caught with a large amount of cocaine hidden in this Cookie Monster doll. Holy shit, man. Uh, Jay, what do you have this week for What the F Florida Man? Please Drop it on me, man. I want to hear some good shit this week. Woman drives into grandma and child. Oh, no. Says she was trying to run over someone else. Oh. So she killed somebody else yeah, when she no, was intentionally trying to kill somebody else. They're not dead, but yeah. Oh, okay, so, thank God. Driver accused of ramming her car into a woman and child last week. Claimed she was trying to run over someone else. The South Florida woman reports as she was driving her, her vehicle that barreled in, onto a playground in Pompano Beach Park, Fuck. hitting Chandra McLeod. I'm going to, it's going to, it's wrong, but I tried. And her three year old grandson, uh, as the Iranian tobacco. Down the gate in the process. <laughs> huh? It's the Iranian tobacco, but go ahead. Yes. There, dude. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I made a valiant effort. Uh, <laughs> the grandmother told the reporters that she witnessed a group arguing at the park. She saw kids running and screaming. Yeah. Uh, she knew that there was going to be, that there was a fight. And she was actually just trying to get her little one because she knew it was only getting worse. At that time, a woman uh, whose last name is St. Felix claimed she was at the park in an argument. And that's when things started escalating. Oh, uh, okay. She was attempting to run her over. Uh, but in the process, she lost control of the vehicle didn't realize that it was, she was about to run over a baby. Grandmother swoops in to save baby, gets hit by the car, gets a couple stitches. The baby is fine. Thank God. The woman is being brought up on charges, but oh, says that she hopes that everyone is okay. And she was trying to run over manslaughter, I hope. They at least throw on her. Right? I mean, you would just think. I mean. I know. You know, you never know these days. I'm just you know? saying. I know. That's so crazy. 
what a, just, oh, what a horrible that's i mean thank god that they're okay obviously the grandma yeah. and the baby yeah. that's number if one if they weren't i would not have read that story yeah i know that would have been such a downer of a story jay okay, <laughs> i would have like god sounded, dang jay. it sounds bad yeah I like, everybody you, walked away okay let's start there god. i wouldn't read it i wouldn't read one where like a three-year-old died i Work with children. I'm a yes, light, no, heavy guy. You, you, you definitely have your thing about you. Yes, you would never, <laughs> ever. Okay, we're focused. I feel like we're focused on the wrong part. The woman told the cops she was trying to run over somebody else. That's what I'm saying. So, like, let me ask you this question. Was she, like, high on drugs? Or was this a legitimate thing where she really was trying to run over somebody else? And she Legitimate really did lose control. Someone else. Yeah. That someone got out of the way said fuck you i'm out of here right and yeah. that's when she lost control of the car and uh jumped the gate grandma got the baby out of the way the car hit grandma a little bit which is where she needs staples but she got a little roughed up a little roughed up she got cliffed a little roughed up but listen man granny did what granny had to do no that's god that's- listen big up to granny on that one i you know what let's give a oh big grandma for grandma on that one that's that's a fucking right there man i'll tell you that's a trooper right yeah yeah I'd, i i don't know how many of us would have done that i, I don't mean know. i would like to think i would have done it for my children i'm sure you would have yeah I'm sure everybody would have yeah but listen all we can say is we we would like to say we would have this woman can say she, she did it she did it right exactly yeah well listen um a great redeeming story at the end of that one, Jay. That was a fucking nosedive coming right back down. Yeah, boy, we turned right that up. bitch around, didn't we? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I thought that was a for sure, like, oh, woof. You brought it back up. Okay. It was okay. I was like, all right, Jay. Yeah, fine. Everybody's okay. Thank God. But uh, thanks, Jay, for that, for what the F Florida woman with your attempted murder driving, which. That's the but majority of South Florida anyway. But any ooh, I didn't want to bring that up. Anyways, that's a hot button topic. Yeah. Oh. Uh, anyways, yeah. that brings us to our interview with Mr. Todd Neese. He is a researcher and uh, just a, a long-standing expert on the Bigfoot and over 30 years. And he had his first sighting back, I think it was in 95, Jay, uh, that he was yes. explaining to us uh, where he was, uh, you know, uh, working. Yeah, when he was employed and he was working in Utah and blowing yes. up some forest and all of a sudden saw something that he shouldn't have seen. So uh, I'll leave you that as a teaser as to what you're going to be uh, listening to here with our interview with Mr. Todd Neese. And uh, we hope you enjoy that. Hi, I'm Mike Heston Rogers, and this is Dark Fringe Radio. Hey, Dark Fringe Radio listeners. Tonight we have a very special guest. Uh, he is a Bigfoot witness and turned researcher, and he has been an, act, an active investigator for over 28 years. Uh, he was born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, and uh, he grew up learning and hearing of these legendary creatures, alternatively known as Bigfoot or Sasquatch. And of course, you know, during those times, he kind of just pushed it off as just campfires talk. All that changed for him in a, uh, the spring of 1993. And of course, as a sergeant uh, in the Army of the 1,249th Combat Engineer Battalion, he came face-to-face with one of three elusive giants in the temperate forest Oregon's coast range while conducting high-explosive 
uh, training. Of course, his sighting was independently corroborated by three fellow soldiers who also witnessed these creatures. And in his opinion, uh, these creatures possess a relatively high IQ uh, in comparison to the recognized great apes. Nice's current theory is uh, focuses on the presumed intelligence, which he believes fosters an irresistible sense of curiosity. And this curiosity, of course, which Nisa intends to exploit. And by presenting a variety of baits, as well as an array of unconventional and non-threatening lures uh, within a uh, uh, pre-designated area, he hopes to successfully collect irrefutable evidence of the creature's existence. So over the past 28 years, my friends, uh, his research has garnered him international attention. He's been the subject of uh, numerous documentaries, TV programs, U.S., Canada, U.K., Germany. He's been featured on programs uh, as such as Unsolved Mysteries, one of my all-time favorites, Encounters to the Ends of the Earth, uh, and then, of course, The Unexpected. And, of course, he's been featured on the Discovery Channel, uh, the Travel Channel, and National Geographic. Please welcome to Dark Fringe Radio, the Sergeant of the Sasquatch, Mr. Todd Neese. Todd, how you doing? Well, thank you for having me aboard. Uh, It's a privilege and an honor to be on your first Bigfoot show. Yes. Yeah, we were just talking about that. You know, uh, me and Jay were just uh, speaking uh, um, before you came on. You know, we've done 95 episodes of this uh, podcast over four years, and we've never done uh, one full episode of Sasquatch. And reason being is because we wanted to actually have somebody like yourself, who is a, um, I would say, I, you know, one of the head researchers when it comes to this and highly educated and experienced when it comes to, um, you know, Bigfoot. And uh, let's go back. I mean, first off, I want to say thank you for your service. Number one, um, you know, absolutely. Thank you. Know, what is it? 21 years. I think you were in um, in, in, the, in enlisted at that point, uh, honorably discharged. Yeah. I mean, just thank you so much. And that's, you know, a great sacrifice, of course. Um, but you know, you were a skeptic of this whole thing of Bigfoot at first, right? Absolutely. I mean, some might consider me agnostic. I mean, I, I really had no uh, uh, I didn't really have anything in the game when I uh, was growing up. Like you had mentioned, I had kind of um, put it in the realm of uh, you know, scary campfire stories to, you know, get kids all riled up around a campfire, whatnot. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so not having had any personal experience at the time, even growing up in the Pacific Northwest, you hear about this, uh, this phenomenon, but right. uh, it really didn't interest me in the least. Uh, and that all changed for me in one fell swoop in an instant. Um, I still, to this day, have a hard time wrapping my head around how just 25 seconds of my entire adult life at that time would change the path of my life from that point forward. And it has. Um, Obviously, we wouldn't be talking right now. But I can't tell you how many different aspects of my life from where I live or who people I've met, even my wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, who's a researcher in her own right. Um, yeah, she's totally like, uh, you know, gotten into the whole thing as well, huh? Uh, actually, before I did, she wow. to do it in her teens. Uh, oh, okay. Um, after a report from Florida by a, a, a county sheriff. 
Skunk Ape? And yes, of course. And, and she, <laughs> of course. She, she's been hooked ever since. And, and uh, we met somewhere along the way and, uh, yeah. and got married, which is yeah. a, story, a story in itself. And we'll probably circle back to that, as they say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, no, it's uh, funny because you say Florida and I said skunk ape because I'm, we're here in Florida as well. And, you know, right. we are all very familiar with the, the, the legend of the skunk ape, you know, basically yeah, Florida's sure. version of Bigfoot. You know, obviously you smell very horrid smell before you see them or catch a glimpse of them. But that's usually the legend, huh? Trust me, they uh, I always said, you know, after interviewing hundreds of people over the years, and a handful of them claim to have smelled them. I've always secretly wanted to, to experience that smell. And uh, one day I had my wish and, and oh. checked check that block, got that T-shirt, and I, I don't want to have to smell it again. Oh, really? It's, could, you, yeah. could you describe the smell for us? I mean, from, from your sure. experience and, and uh, us kind of open-minded skeptics, I couldn't even imagine what it would smell like. Uh, so what did it smell like? If you could, well, the smell is one thing, um, but there's some unusual physics uh, that go with it that uh, are hard to really comprehend. So let's take a skunk for instance. If you, if somebody hits a skunk, you know, quarter of a mile ahead of you in the road, uh, you start to smell it, and it gets stronger and stronger, and then wow, there it is, and then it's bad and then it still takes you a quarter of a mile to try with the windows down to try to get that smell out of there you've got <laughs> yeah. that kind of a, a taper if you will into the yeah into a smell that strong well um that was what physically was different um just as a back backdrop um there was a individual who was a rock hound who was familiar with this riverbed, um, it's called the Roaring River, uh, feeds into the Clackamas River here in Oregon. And he had been to this place uh, apparently before. He realized that during the summer when the water level drops down to, to a certain point, it exposes this uh, lava flow mm, that, that goes into the creek. And, uh, and embedded in that lava flow, is what he referred to as common opal. Mm -hmm. So he would go up there, uh, takes about 45 minutes just to get that mile in there because there's just no trail whatsoever. And uh, he'd bring along his uh, Australian shepherd. Well, this one particular day he got in there and started working on the rock and of course letting his dog wander. And He's down by the riverbed and, and chipping out this common opal and just kind of for a minute sit there and visualize this metallic hammer on this metallic chisel tink 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 very non-normal sound right well that sound apparently attracted some attention his mm -hmm. dog starts growling and wasn't barking but it, it just sat there and growled and growled and growled and growled and after about five minutes of this you know he assumed he got a you know a raccoon or a squirrel or something mm -hmm. treed but he finally put down his hammer and chisel and went up to investigate what his dog was so upset about and what, uh, this is in his own words. What he said was I looked in the direction my dog was looking and I saw a gorilla. Wow. No, okay. Bigfoot, no Sasquatch. 
he said, I saw a freaking gorilla standing up on two legs, staring at, staring at my, my dog, uh, mm-hmm. glaring. And with every exhale was grunting very heavily. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine the, the scene, um, when we got in there, uh, with them a couple of weeks later, we measured that distance at about 47 feet. It's a little close for comfort when you're dealing with a seven, oh, yeah. eight, eight foot gorilla. Right. No, and a- anyway, um, it was on this, we, we, we followed him in using the same route he had taken to get in there. And sure enough, when we got there, there was his hammer and his chisel and his collection bag still sitting there on the riverbank. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of added to the credibility and, and who's going to go out, take, take a couple of strangers out in the middle of the woods that they don't even know. And, you know, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> plus we were packing because, uh, right. as a story would play out, um, they, uh, experienced something very unusual for, for Bigfoot behavior. And that is that they got chased oh, and that, really? Is, that really? really doesn't happen in 99% of the cases. They simply, once they know that they've been um, spotted, spotted, they turn and, and, and walk into the woods and that's it. Right. In this case, this thing chased them out. Oh, wow. And they were going not the route they took in because they were just <laughs> trying to make a beeline back to, to uh, safety. Mm-hmm. Stopped at one point. It, it, it had stopped as well, but as soon as they made eye contact, it charged them again. And so, Based on his story and, and not very many aggressive Bigfoot encounters like that, uh, me and my partner, Steve, were, were both packing when we went in there. In fact, I think he was as well. <laughs> but uh, what was interesting, uh, getting back to the smell, was we spent probably 30 minutes in there mm-hmm. and uh, took photos, made, took measurements, and uh, uh, it really wasn't a good substrate for, for tracks. It was very rocky and whatnot, but we did our due diligence and then we're heading back out. Mm-hmm. We got maybe 10 minutes walk back toward the, toward the parking area. When we walked into what I can only describe as a wall of smell. Oh, really? And I- I've never, and that's why I brought up the, the, uh, the skunk, uh, uh, comparison because mm-hmm. this smell was, well, first of all, it wasn't there 30 minutes ago and we, right. had, we had just walked through there, gotcha. uh, how it got there, what its origin was, uh, we didn't know, but I had a pretty good idea <laughs> because like I said, 30 minutes ago. It, it was not there right. and you would trust me there's no way you would not notice it going past this but it was so rank uh i would say rancid right okay. something along the lines of a, a, a rotting roadkill and and a skunk uh garbage i don't know it was just but Again, getting back to the physics of the thing, right? What I don't understand is why something that strong, and I mean it's stronger than a skunk, why oh. something that strong wasn't detectable. Thirty until minutes you ago. Were, and no, wasn't detectable within five, ten feet, twenty feet from its origin. From oh, its really? Source. 
you literally could step at, in and out of this smell. Wow. You know, I've never, never had that, that experience before with especially something as strong smelling as that, that you're not kind of slow. What's that? And then, Oh, it's getting stronger. And no, it was boom. Mm. You were in it and you could take 15, 20 steps and walk out the other side of it. Wow. I mean, like that, it'd be gone. Mm. Turn around, walk, walk back into it and boom, there it was. Um, but yeah, um, I, I checked that block and yeah, I'm good with that. I'm not, I don't need to smell yeah. it again. <laughs> I can yeah. see that. I can understand that. What's your theory on what causes that? Do you think that's like a uh, like a remnants of maybe this being coming in and out of maybe a, a parallel universe or maybe a portal of some sorts? You know, I'm not a I'm not a paranormalist per se, but let's <laughs> let's face it, a paranormal just means outside the norm. Correct. Right? Correct. Uh, so I would say these things fit into that but but i'm not so much into the what we like to call the woo yeah effect you know i yeah, yeah. i i tend to try to stay centered on science mm-hmm. biology flesh and blood what you can prove as right and and, right. and and i and trust me i i i've heard it all and i and it's not just one person's theory about you know portals or or orbs or whatever that seems right. to go along with this phenomena but yeah it's a number of people saying the same thing so without throwing the baby out with the bathwater, what i try to do is mm-hmm. take these stories these experiences and try to fit them in to a logical biological cause mm-hmm. um uh i could give you a number of examples but um well, everything changed for you. And of course, 1993, you went right. from skeptic to stone cold believer in the spring of 93 and explain. It wasn't, a, it wasn't epitome. Yeah. I mean, explain to my listeners and, and, and of course, uh, you know, everybody else, what transpired on that day? I know you were working, um, you know, you were doing your job as a serviceman for the United States. And what happened? Trans- what transpired that day? So. Uh, at that time, I was uh, in the serving on National Guard. Uh, mm-hmm. My day job was a, a vice president of a, a company in Portland. Mm-hmm. But one weekend a month, and then the two weeks uh, annual training kind of thing uh, was the norm for me. And I chose combat engineering. Um, hey, who doesn't? What 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 guy doesn't like to blow stuff up? <laughs> me. <laughs> <laughs> well it, it kind of takes all all the pop out of the fourth of july but still, yeah it does it's, yeah. it's a lot yeah. of fun i mean there's actually a lot of science involved but we had a blasting site on the base there at camp rilea but it was for small demonstration you know stuff right uh, once a year we would get access to uh some private timber company land uh not far from there up in the the Oregon coast range. And, uh, it was there that we get, got to do the, you know, the full scale, you know, 150 pounds of C4 plastic explosives or 250 pounds of ammonium nitrate. We've been soaking in diesel fuel for three hours. And, there we go. You know, <laughs> that's <a> fun stuff. <laughs> so we're talking, working with power now. <laughs> oh yeah. So yeah. we, what we do is we'd use these, uh, gravel quarries. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. that they had throughout their pretty vast holdings. Mm-hmm. And uh, we could safely do these larger explosions within the quarry and not worry about, you know, literally breaking every window on the base or setting the forest on fire or anything. <laughs> it's fairly controlled, but right. on, a, on a large scale. Mm-hmm. Anyway, we had done two out of the three exercises that day, and, and the third and final exercise was a cratering charge. And that's where that ammonium nitrate comes in. But we got that uh, in the ground. It was. Uh, replicating or simulating a, a cratering charge where you would literally blow a road in half and prevent the enemy from using it. And so Making we let them the go fuses, to a different direction. So that way exactly. you can catch them in that direction. That's our entire mission statement as combat engineers. It's mobility, counter mobility, which means we get our guys through wherever they want to go. And, and if there's a minefield, we take it out. If there's a, a river, we'll put in a bridge yada 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 and 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 vice versa on the other side the other way uh right. we we literally engineer the the paths of both combatants and and whatever movement element you're with yeah. but anyway um we lit these fuses on the on the cratering charges and we had four vehicles up there so if you can imagine two humvees up front and Third vehicle was a covered uh, deuce and a half or two and a half ton uh, troop transport. Um, and in the rear was the commander in his Humvee. So four vehicles in all, light the fuses. I think we had like 11, 11 and a half minutes before it blew. Enough time for us to get down to a safety area and they'd wait for the explosion and then we'd come back and check our work. Mm-hmm. So again, I'm in the second, I'm a passenger in the second Humvee sitting behind the driver. And it was a fairly nice day in April, so I had the window open, my arm hanging out. Right. And having been a hunter in that area, the Saddle Mountain hunting unit, for I had hunted for deer and elk in there for years. Uh, it was just natural for me to, you know, glance about uh, the forest and look for wildlife. Mm-hmm. And uh, well, I, I that day I got a little more than I than I uh, than I asked for. Yeah. We had rounded a corner going clockwise and we went from a probably a second generation stand to a much lower uh reprod we call it uh 10 12 foot trees versus 40 foot trees Mm -hmm. so it kind of cleared my view down the hillside to uh the the, uh, second blast site came into view right away and um I'm t- again looking around for wildlife, and I I couldn't help but spot these three figures uh, standing right out in the open in the second rock quarry. It was uh, uh, I yeah they they were big. They were they were pitch black. There was no clothing on them, but still, when you're you're kind of in a process of denial mm-hmm. yeah you see something that isn't supposed to be right and right. you're trying to come up with excuses there's got to be something other than what it really looks like and so my first thought was okay what are those people doing down there <laughs> because rsop required because of the obvious danger of what we're doing is everybody's accountable everybody is uh together Right. You yeah. don't have two or three people wandering around doing anything like that. Anyway, 
I hardly got the thought out of my head as, oh, what are those people doing there? When I just, I, what I, I just came to this uh, realization that I, I couldn't unsee what I'm seeing. And here are these big, massive, uh, hair covered, uh, I don't know what. I don't, you know, I'm like, uh, yeah, I mean, I could only imagine mind. what you're even thinking at that moment. I'm trying to rationalize what you're processing in your brain. You know what I mean? I even, but, I, even for a split second, I thought, okay, I can make those out to be three North American black bears, but they're both all standing up together. And, oh, look, their arms go way below their knees. And mm. it was just a matter of literally seconds before I, I, I had to accept what I was looking at. And then I was just really stunned i was in shock and i'm watching and um just for your audience by way of description the the tallest of the three stood in the middle that was one thing i wanted to ask if there was any you know distinguishing features about you know any of the three but yeah i know through your you know um the the thing that you sent me as far as your experience is concerned yeah you did mention that the one in the middle was quite bigger right i mean if i hold my hand up like this you can see you know, my middle finger is a little longer than the other two, and that's kind of what I'm looking at. But, but what was interesting was that that larger one I estimated at nine feet or so mm. uh, stood there like a statue, while the two on either side of it, which I still wouldn't consider small by any means, they were probably seven foot tall. The the two on either side of it were, were doing this rocking back and forth thing, right? Mm. And these long pendulous arms that went between their knees and their ankles are swinging uh, in front or below their knees as they apparently were just shifting weight from right foot to left foot and doing this rocking back and forth motion. And they did that the entire time I was watching them. And this wasn't a five second, uh, something flashed in front of my headlights. That's unnerving. It was 25 seconds at least, yeah. which doesn't yeah. sound very long. But uh, it's significant enough time for no, you to distinguish uh, certain things. Well, I would encourage your 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 uh, viewers to look at their watch for 25 seconds. They'll get right. to about 15 and say, hell with this. 25 <laughs> seconds, especially considering what I was watching, seemed like an eternity. Oh, I'm sure. So anyway, this rocking motion continued throughout the entire time that I am looking at them. And I should, again, by way of description, note that, you know, I'm sure you've seen the Patterson Gimlet footage from 1967. We were just talking about it. Okay. (laughs) We're talking about what became to known, maybe known as Patty. Right. I've studied that film for many years and, and I'm actually friends with uh, Bob Gimlin, who was one of the two uh, people there on the scene. (laughs) And um, these things did not seem to have that. I don't know. I don't know if Patty was pregnant or had been recently pregnant or, or was just old like me and people tend to get a little paunchy in their old age. But these three things I'm looking at, they look like bodybuilders with hair. Really? I'm I'm talking their shoulders were massive. Mm. Okay. 
the head appeared to sit directly on the shoulders uh, as if their traps literally went from like the bottom of their ear from the bottom of their ears all the way out to their shoulders no real visible neck just gotcha. a solid block of 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 uh so a bunch of big tall hairy brock lesnar's basically running around the floor. pretty much uh, <laughs> i'd love i'd love to draft them for the seahawks but i can't right uh, but, we're not going to bring up the I'm, fact that i'm a niners fan no uh, oh. uh, here we're we just go. gonna leave that. Game. Oh, shots fired! Yeah. Oh, apparently we're out of time. And thank you. No, <laughs> love it, so, love it. So uh, no, um, I mean, I mean to say that there, these were barrel chested, right? Uh, and a, a very marked slendering down to their waist. Mm. So, if you will, Patty didn't look that way to me. Though. Patty Not at all. She looked pretty heavy set but these all three of these boys i mean they were i assume they were boys but you think patty uh, was legit you think that was a legit sighting a legit absolutely uh, Uh, for for a number of reasons and i like i say i've studied it for for decades yeah uh i have no doubt at all and and that's not just in looking at the scientific data and looking at video enhancements but knowing at least one of the individuals who are there who is as honest as a day is long, mm-hmm. uh, who literally, when they came back from that encounter, wanted nothing more to do with it, went back to ranching, mm-hmm. um, while Roger went on a pretty much a nationwide tour with the film. But yeah, right. Uh, Bob Gimlin uh, is such a gentleman, mm-hmm. uh, part Native American, cowboy all the way. Uh, and up until 80 years of age, he'd still been breaking horses and the guy, wow. I've, I've known him for years. I've gone, uh, I've shared the stage with him. I'm, 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 uh, uh, surprised to say, but I mean, I've gone to his birthday parties. I've, I've hung mm-hmm. with a guy and I'll tell you what, that guy couldn't lie if you paid him. Yeah. And I, I do remember one year asking him and I don't mean to get off on a tangent, but no, said, please, Bob, no. is there between you and me, is there any way that you and Roger could have been hoaxed? Because I don't believe that you had anything to do with a hoax or, you know. Right. But is there any way you could have been hoaxed? And he said, well, Todd, I'll tell you, I don't think so. He said, because Roger and I'd get up every morning at camp and uh, we'd, we'd put the coffee on and then we'd roll out the map and it was only then that we would pick the route we'd go that day. So there's no way anybody could have known which way we're going in order to get up ahead of us to exactly. us. So exactly. he says, he said, we could have gone any number of different directions and uh, you know, and they've been up there several weeks in some pretty nasty weather, but anyway, I, I, I digress. Um, yes, I do think the Patterson Gibbon film is legitimate. And it still stands as one of the best pieces of evidence out there to this day. Getting back to my guys, yeah. uh, once, like I say, once I lost sight of them, I just kind of slumped back in my seat and tried to process the whole thing. And, yeah, you know, things go through your mind like I've been out in these woods for decades <laughs> and all this time, these things have been out there right. when I'm out there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it's just mind-boggling, and oh. and so 
what's what's even more interesting is when we get back down to the um, the safety staging area. I just instinctively jumped out of the Humvee and ran back up in the direction toward, that we had just come from, hoping I could get far enough to get Skid a again. second view of it. You right. know, I mean, it's like seeing God, and then suddenly it's snatched away from you, and you're like, ah. Right. So I uh, I ran I, I jogged up about as far as I can go without breaking protocol, which means being out of sight of the main group. And try as I may, I'm standing on my tiptoes. I'm trying to look over this bit of a hill that was between me and the in the the, the gravel pit, mm-hmm. and I just couldn't quite get a lock on them. And and uh, I heard somebody yell my name, Hades. Mm. And I looked to my right, and here's Sergeant Martin walking my direction, smoking on a cigarette. And I go, "What?" He goes, "What are you looking at?" <laughs> and I said, "Me." I dropped my hand to my side. Nothing. Yeah. And he kept coming. He got up to where I was at. Yeah. And he said, I'll never forget. He said, I, I, I don't suppose you saw what I saw at the second blast site. And being the chimp that I was, I said, I don't know, Jeff, what did you see? <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say That's a good right? move, actually. <laughs> I'll yeah, see you mine if you yeah. show me yours. <laughs> exactly. Right. Was it this big? No. So um, <laughs> anyway, uh, so uh, he, I said, I don't know, Jeff, what did you see? And I remember him taking a drag off a cigarette and looking left and right, to make sure nobody else was in earshot. And he said, well, I saw three huge uh, hair covered, I don't know, big Bigfoot, I guess. I don't know. And of course, at that point, I'm like, dude, saw him too. You know, and, and it was nice to have the corroboration. I mean, it was almost nice to share that experience with another person. But it's also, it's a gift, but it's also a curse. Oh, absolutely. You know, you you hit it right on the head. Yeah. My point being is I didn't need Jeff's corroboration Mm -hmm. to to somehow uh, validate what I saw. I can see, I can close my eyes and see it as clearly as I did that day. Right. You just can't unsee something like that. So, so again it was interesting to have another uh, perspective yeah no it's good to have that validation of course and have somebody else let you know that obviously you're not going crazy number one i didn't um, think so <laughs> <laughs> you might have thought that but yeah you know you never know i mean that that would have probably run through my mind i'm like damn am i going crazy right now do i you know is you know i need somebody to corroborate this but you know and why i brought up that it's kind of a curse as well is because you had that conversation with the sergeant uh, and you kind of brought it up again later on, you know, uh, you know, with some friends and stuff like that. And you kind of got ridiculed a little bit about it uh, until some of the other soldiers that were there kind of cooperated with that story as well. Is that correct? That's correct. You know, uh, being a traditional guardsman, like I say, you do one, you give up one weekend a month for training purposes. So that was early April. Then the next drill would have been early May and, um, as it happened, we had two more soldiers, independent of each other, mind you, both come forward and admit to seeing the same thing. So it's a it's a unique uh, amongst 
a lot of encounters, um, even that I, and I, there's some pretty unique ones out there, but I mean, mm-hmm. multi-animal sightings are quite rare. That's usually a right. single individual. Right. Multi-animal settings with multiple eyewitnesses is extremely rare. And uh, let's face it, based on the activity that we were involved in, engaged in blowing up the forest, it makes it a very unique uh, a sighting. So, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so that's how I got started in this. And, and you're right. I, th- there's always that ridicule factor. And I, I trust me, it, 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 it I wrestled with every day for being a conspiracy theorist. So I, I get it. I understand. Well, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm ridiculed uh, every day for being a Niners fan. It happens. <laughs> that's, that's right. So, I mean, um, no, because you got to understand at the time, not only was I a non-commissioned officer in, in the yeah. military, I was a family man raising uh, three young boys and, mm-hmm. and vice president of a shipping company in Portland. And I literally, had to kind of put things on a scale and I, I usually don't discuss this much, but I'm glad you brought it up. I had to kind of weigh things in the sense of this is just what squeeze. Go, if you go public with this, right? You are risking your reputation publicly. Right. And you're risking people questioning your sanity mm-hmm. and questioning uh, all kinds of things. And I had kind of just at one point decided, you know what, niece, just zip it mm-hmm. and go on with your life uh, as if it never happened. And but in time, I kind of changed the formula and I took it from that same scale and decided if I don't tell the truth, is that not? the equivalent of lying yeah is it is it is it falsifying reality is it not being true to yourself and on that scale with your big shiny reputation what's more important (laughs) and i made a choice at that time that i wasn't going to keep quiet about it and right people you know in my mind's eyes like okay, what am I really worried about? A bunch of strangers and how they feel about me? Because right. I know the people that have known me for years and known my reputation, they're not going to ridicule me because they're going to know Todd doesn't go out there and talk about, you know, paranormal stuff all every day. He doesn't talk about flying saucers and ghosts and <laughs> portals and orbs. And, you know, that's not like me. For So I'm going to be like, I don't know. That's what makes your story much more convincing and much more, I think, to me, you know, validating to me. Because, like, you're not a guy. Why would you even lie about something like this? This would not even this would not benefit you in any way. Well, you're form. right. I mean, I mean, in reality, um, I stood a lot more to lose than I did to gain. And so, of course you did. but to me, I kept going back to the question. Why me? Right. Um, what are the odds that we lit that fuse 10 minutes earlier or 10 minutes later? Would they still have been there? Right. What if I was sitting behind the the passenger seat on the other side of the Humvee? And you know how that. wide Humvees are. I mean, the old yeah. original yeah. Humvees. Yeah. 
if I were on the other side of the Humvee, I would not have had a view of that, of that gravel quarry. Right. What if, what if, what if, what if, Yeah. but you know, and it could have come down to seconds. So I kept really coming back to, is there a purpose? Is, is, is again, why me? I mean, could have been anybody, could have been nobody, but it was me. And so I have chosen and I made a commitment long ago to dedicate my life to bringing the truth to life. And I mean, for me, I'm not a believer. I don't believe in Bigfoot. In fact, I opened a conference up one day with that line and everybody about everybody's jaw probably fucking <laughs> dropped to the floor. Go, Let me start by saying I don't believe in Bigfoot. And everyone, huh? What? We want our money back. Right. <laughs> right? But then I, of course, I I follow, of course, with uh, I know they exist. Right. I mean, it's asking me, like, do you believe in cats? Do right. you believe in a bird? Right. You know, no, I know birds exist. You know, right. I know Bigfoot exists. And, and it's not a Bigfoot, by the way. There's more than one. I saw three. And if you just use your God-given brain, you'd realize that it's impossible for one solitary legendary beast to have existed for hundreds of years and not have any offspring yeah yeah i mean that had to be a civilization of them yeah so anyway so that's what i've done i mean i've i've partnered up with different people uh you co-founded the american primate conservancy i mean with your wife diane correct correct that's that's Um, awesome i mean that's awesome that she even got involved with all this too oh yeah i mean we each had our own before we got before we met and got married she had the stocking hominid research um group and i had the american primate foundation mm-hmm. when we got married it's like it's stupid to have two websites and two organizations let's just combine them and call it the what i think is more apropos anyway which is a conservancy because that's that's our that's our mission statement is is the discovery um research knowledge recognition and protection for these these uh, this species whatever they are with using non-threatening tactics as well which is something that I, I i like to highlight because you know i think that's a very important part of that yeah you know people ask me you know going back to my sighting and a lot of people raise a good issue they go mm-hmm. okay i'm trying to picture myself i live in the woods and all of a sudden I hear an explosion and I see a mushroom cloud and believe me, these put up mushroom clouds, huge explosions. And then it happens again. People go, give me a break. Any deer, elk, bear, cougar, raccoon, fox, squirrel, uh, uh, anything would be going 180 degrees the other direction Mm -hmm. away from that. And -hmm. it may take them a long time to recover before they decide it's over and maybe they can come back home. Uh, if there's anything left of it. <laughs> so, um, so how odd is it that after what was just an hour at the most mm-hmm. from that last explosion, that these creatures would be able to overcome that innate fear that most other animals wouldn't. And that's where I get to this this uh what i believe to be um a heightened sense of uh inquisitiveness if you will um IT I, level 
for well, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I mean it, to be to allow your curiosity to overcome your fear mm-hmm. to that extent to me spells intelligence. It's like, yeah, that was scary, and geez, boy, that was that was crazy. But we got to check this out, right? And I don't know of any other animal that would do that. Yeah, and and Except for humans. You, well, no, I guarantee if you're out in those woods and there was over here in the back in the distance, there's a mushroom cloud. And then right over here is another one. You don't know where the next one's going to go off. Or, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. 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 I'm not so, going nowhere near there. He's right. I mean, but here, let me give you an analogy that I think is appropriate. Okay. Um, on the human side. Okay. So let's say you're sitting or you live in you know, suburbia, USA, it's a beautiful day. You're out on your porch, you're drinking a cold one. When all of a sudden, without any sort of warning, you see a a jet airliner coming down into your neighborhood, trailing black smoke. It impacts say four or five blocks away. It's a huge fireball. You feel the ground shake. There's this ear splitting explosion. And yeah, trust me, for the next minute or so, you're probably paralyzed with fear and you're you're like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. You, you, you're coming to the realization that you're, it's an extremely volatile, dangerous situation. But I think what's gonna happen over the course of the next few minutes is we as humans, now that you realize you're safe, and that there's not, you know, 10 planes to follow, right? That we either by means of wanting to render assistance or help in any way you can, maybe there's some survivors, or maybe just out of morbid curiosity, you want to be a gawker, whatever. I think you're going to, you know, you're going to find yourself drawn to that that amazing event and oh, absolutely uh, and put that fear aside and again i don't think you know sparky uh, is going to follow you <laughs> but you know sparky's smarter than us right yeah oh yeah <laughs> but but you know i think that's a good analogy and so no it is my expeditions that i've run uh, in fact the first two were, were called operation entice contact Mm-hmm. And then, of course, entice contact too. Um, uh, five years later, and uh, the whole concept was: you don't find Bigfoot; Bigfoot finds you. Bigfoot finds you. And if you think for a moment that you're going to spot a Bigfoot before they spot you, could happen. <laughs> uh, and you're going to run it down. You know, good yeah. luck. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, yeah. What would you say? And, what would you say to um to somebody who hasn't done a lot of research? Uh, someone like me, someone who's openly skeptical. Uh, not, I don't think I know everything. I haven't done the research. I, I genuinely don't know. I don't. I don't believe in it. But what would you say is something that you could point to a piece of evidence that that you think a novice like me that would help kind of maybe turn that tide to get them to, to be a little more on the believer side if they weren't? Well, first of all, I'd say find another hobby. But <laughs> that aside, uh, 
uh, I say do your homework, do your research, talk to people. Um, there's a tremendous amount of uh, information out there if you know where to look. Attend conferences, meet other people, network, and just uh, try to open your mind up a little bit and realize, you know, and, and trust me, there's no doubt there are hoaxes. There, um, Some of the things that detract from people being serious about this is hoaxes, which I doubt make up 1%. There's uh, there's there's a lot of people that again coming from the the woo side tend to attribute a lot of um, uh, attributes, shall we say, that no other animal has that we've we've ever uh, discovered. Mm -hmm. uh, in some cases, they they may just be uh, uh, born into that um, kind of a imagination and in a lot of cases i've watched uh researchers um that have been very serious biological researchers after 10 15 20 years start kind of you know Sway oh over. it's got to be quantum physics some sort of it's got to be you know supernatural they, they've they've got to have these amazing characteristics that you can't point out in any other uh any other creature out there i mean if you can say hey look at the you know the western garden weasel you know right it, it can do this but yeah. you can't it's just a lot of stuff just and not to only to mention that i mean we're, we're constantly finding you know extinct uh you know uh animals that we thought they were extinct for millions of years mm -hmm. i think today i i read an article today about some bony fish that was uh, discovered that had been supposedly extinct for like millions of years. years. Yeah. And I, I, I yeah. never even heard of it. It, it looked so He's strange. It was alive about, too. Um, talking about the coelacanth. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, things like that, I mean, it's, it's gotta be possible. And, you know, when it comes to gathering evidence, you know, that's, that's the most important thing. There's different, you know, mannerisms. there's different methods in doing this. Um, what do you find is probably the, the the most you know for you suitable type of investigation when you go out there you know to try to track or find a bigfoot i mean are you using you know flare cameras what what do you use when you go out there well my <clears throat> my array of uh scientific uh technological toys can, grows by by the day it seems but it's like a ghost hunter uh, just like that yeah <laughs> right so yeah. no it's like uh uh i have uh a car collector just constantly getting parts all kinds <laughs> of uh game cameras probably 20 or more um we right. set those up uh in different locations and in sometimes right. up as long as nine months at a time mm. um get some fantastic wildlife shots but not, sure. not not the not the prize shot but right uh when it comes to audio we use uh what they call a digital recorder called a tascam there's a few others out there mm -hmm. uh, i think zoom makes uh, another really good set and then there's uh when it comes to video we we have now two drones nice. that utilize 4k cameras and can fly up as high as two miles wonderful uh, over 10,000 feet. Mm -hmm. uh, um, we have the thermal imagers, of course, the FLIR. Uh, 
which will do both uh, video and still shots as well as audio. Right. It's, it's, I'd, I'd love to upgrade that. Mine's got probably about a, a 500 foot range. Gotcha. Gotcha. That. Um, there's, uh, I just purchased a, a Psionics uh, color night vision camera, which does again video. The photograph, uh, but it basically looks like daytime at night, basically, right? It's it's better than what I used in the army, and I've only been out of the army for two years. <laughs> but I'm talking instead of that green grainy stuff you see right. on TV, I'm talking full color. Really, you can see wow. a, a red pickup truck, and it's red, and you can see something blue, it's blue. Wow, um, and they're fairly inexpensive. I mean, when you consider the technology, they even have their own uh wi-fi where you can actually project it to say a tablet where a somebody tablet or... who's, somebody who's with you can actually watch what you're looking at through the scope on a tablet right and, and record it um, amazing so the technology is trickling down most of it starts out in military and over time trickles down to the public down, sector <laughs> and comes down in price uh, right. so yeah. and for poor people like me that's a good deal hey listen just like yeah this. so um <laughs> i have uh, a piece of equipment that i don't know if anybody ha- has and i've had it since really the 90s which is uh seismic ground sensors hmm. and i have a kit of four of these they're radio transmitters that have a six foot lead to come off of them that go to a spike and you put this spike in the ground mm-hmm. each transmitter sends out its own unique signal and it measures vibration in the ground so if something walks by it'll pick it up and i'm not right. just talking 10 15 20 30 feet from this spike depending on the substrate i've actually had them detect out almost 100 yards wow wow yeah, yeah. i've actually set them up on a football field which Mind you, is a perfect substrate. You've got grass. Right. Perfect you know. environment, right? But in that perfect environment, I've put one on the 30-yard line, the 60-yard line, the 80-yard line, and the end zone. Got on the other end zone, jumped up, and you know, jumped hard on the ground. And you can literally hear all four of them trigger in succession because it takes time to get to the last each through each yeah. one. Yeah. But 100 yards in some cases, so. But we'll put these out around our base camp on, you know, what looked like uh, reasonable uh, avenues of ingress, game trails and whatnot. And um, so that's a tool that we use. I, I can't even, we've got a bunch of crap. That's all oh, I'm sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, but when it comes to actual, the expedition, again, we try, we try techniques that are conventional. Mm-hmm. So let's forget about Bigfoot for a minute. Right. How do we get a bear? How do we get a cougar? How do we get a deer? Is there a way to draw in an elk? Is there, you know, how do you get ducks? You know, what do you, so you start looking at things like bait. You right. start looking at things like putting out uh, distressed game calls. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there's a whole library of those, which will bring in coyote and cougar and uh, bobcat, you name it. Um, one thing I've I wanted to just jump in real quick, if you don't mind, Todd. Sure. I've also heard tree knocking. Is that a true thing? Oh, it is. Trust me. I, you know, I, I went all the way until 
two years ago without hearing one. But I heard enough about them, and I, I don't, I n- never had an issue with it. But yeah, two years ago, my wife and I were camping uh, on the south side of, of Mount Hood here, where we live, mm-hmm. and just before sunset, heard a very loud crack, like two wooden baseball bats being smacked together as hard as you could. And there was nothing out there that I could equate it to as far as like, okay, an elk stepped on a rotten branch and it cracked under its Snapped, foot. Or right. No, no, this was crack. Yeah. And it wasn't far from us. And we kind of looked at each other and I go, uh, honey, I don't think we're alone. <laughs> and then shortly after that, I'd say 45 minutes later, now the sun's gone down. You got to imagine it's 85 degrees, no wind, period. We're deep in the woods. And from my six o'clock, we both hear this huge, right. tr- huge tree get slammed to the ground in, in just after dark with no wind, nothing. Just you could hear it going. You just hear yeah. it, and all of a sudden, wham! I mean, you could about feel it through the ground, and it was like, you know, let's turn the truck around. <laughs> you know, I'll take that. Get the we car. We went ready. in head head in. I figured well, let's just. Yeah. <laughs> Turn it around and just, you know, but um, the, the, when it comes to the tree knock thing, I've, there's a couple of theories I have, but, but mainly I, I, I do think they use it for communication. Um, uh, it's not always a single knock. Um, uh, but my theory is they use this as a fairly subtle means of alerting other of their species that the, the short hairless guys are in the neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And so these people that go out and intentionally tree knock, uh, you might as well be cranking the stereo because you're just letting them know that at least this might yeah. be that, yeah. that, that you just, you're just doing their heads up for them. Now, that being said, I had one of the most amazing experiences. I would say short of my, original sighting um i had the opportunity to go to uh of all places nebraska Hmm. um uh, i had been in touch with a a native uh gentleman there who i mean for almost two years and who i found very interesting interesting he's a christian man and um lives on this reservation and does his squatch resing um, group yeah. out there and I, I had seen a number of videos that he had taken out there and I don't know if you've heard of eyeshine but there's a phenomena that goes with Bigfoot that apparently I've heard that yeah okay. and I had heard it too never yeah. experienced. explain if you could please I can't <laughs> that's <laughs> the problem so so in in places where this phenomenon occurs uh, obviously places where uh, people have had experiences with Bigfoot. And basically um, a lot of people might, and myself included up until November or October think, okay, well, were you shining a flashlight their direction? Was this actually reflection off their retina or the tepidium? Um was there any background light? Maybe not shine directly at them, but but the whole concept of bioluminescence in a primate, which we are, mm-hmm. uh, imagine it's one of us. Right. If you had the ability to generate 
naturally some bioluminescence through your your the organs of your eyes mm-hmm. would that be kind of self-defeating i mean wouldn't that be kind of blinding yourself i mean how can they do that i i, I don't get the whole thing but i will tell you this i went back there after being shown a very amazing photograph and video of which i i cannot uh speak publicly of mm-hmm. I, I flew out there on the next flight and I spent over a week there and, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday night, my plane left on Saturday, but Monday through Friday, every night we went out, we went out at midnight at the earliest. We came back at two o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. We were in a very rural hardwoods, rolling hills kind of a situation along the Missouri river. Mm-hmm. Very dense hardwoods, oak and, and maple and whatnot. Right. And what I experienced over those five nights, I still am having trouble reckoning with. Um, what I saw is what he had shown me on video many times. And I just, that's cool, but doesn't make sense. <laughs> <laughs> and frankly, it still doesn't make sense, but I'll tell you, we went out there and, and my yeah. friend would speak in his native tongue. We'd park the car, turn off the lights, nobody coming down this two lane road. Right. Uh, you would hear a car from half a mile away and he would get out there and he would say, Aho, Kage, which means hello friend. Mm-hmm. And then he would say, Gio, which means come closer. And he talked to them both in his language as well as English, you know, and uh, probably for my, for my uh, benefit, but um, <laughs> I swear to God, after sometimes 30 seconds, maybe two, three minutes of the latest, I'm not kidding you from at a pitch black darkness. And then over here, boop. Wow. Two sets, two sets of what appear to be eyes. They're glowing, and they're moving ever so slightly. Right. Sometimes they would go to the left. Sometimes they go to the right. Sometimes they would move closer. Sometimes they'd move back. Oh, over here, there's a third one. Right. Yeah. And I'm right. just like, I'm not seeing this. You know, I'm not seeing this. <laughs> and then came the vocalizations, and for uh-huh. me, that's kind of what capped it. Um, that first night we we got what I only I can only assume was a female, mm-hmm. and she went very high pitched, very loud, wailing, moaning kind of sound for like I don't know five or six seconds, mm-hmm. and then take a ten second break and do it again, take a break, do it again. She did it four times, and I swear to God, it was like almost like a song. And it, it was beautiful. really, it was, it was beautiful. almost beautiful. Really, and and I'm just, I mean, it's the first time any Bigfoot vocalization ever put me at ease. But it was just, I, if I would think of what a Bigfoot sounds like, it would be like blood curdling to me, right? You know what I mean? To me, yeah, like something that I would be like completely like. Oh, trust me, they can. Oh, I'm sure. I would say the closest I ever got to a Bigfoot. Uh, was about 80 feet okay and was roared at after taking a, a number one 
know. Is this a kid friendly show? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I no. Had, I had to go. Pay no. It's definitely right? not kid friendly. <laughs> I, I had dropped to the Bob earlier. So, right. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah. I had just gotten done answering the call of nature and was yeah. uh, <laughs> was just buckling my belt when at about my uh, ten o'clock, horrific, oh. ear splitting, probably 125 decibels what I call almost a roaring bark, if you will. I know that sounds weird, but I call it that because I want you to imagine, you know, the MGM lion at the start of the movies that does, right. yes. you know, I think they call him Leo. I don't know. Right. But crank that up to volume 12 mm-hmm. on the best speaker system you ever got mm-hmm. and have it this deep roar go off. And then for like three seconds and right at the end, it just ended with a real guttural, at the end of it almost kind of like a bark it was a you know Mm. but that's not even close i'm telling you two minutes two minutes passed before i could even move and i honestly look i've been shot at by rockets and mortars and missiles and bullets and uh swam with sharks i got chased by a damn grizzly up in canada two couple years ago uh (laughs) i have jumped at a perfectly good working aircraft yeah okay. and i have there never... are other ways to entertain yourself i promise <laughs> yeah yeah so anyway i have i've, I've i'm going to tell you guys right now there is nothing i've ever experienced that ever had that effect on me and i i don't want to ever feel it again imagine yeah, imagine this nightmare scenario mm-hmm. and this is the only analogy i can i can put with it you're you're flying at 12,000 feet and suddenly the plane breaks apart or your your best enemy pushed it you out and mm-hmm. without a parachute mm-hmm. now you've got 2 minutes before you hit the ground and in reality it looks like the ground's coming up to you by the way but um <laughs> it's you got 2 minutes to your death mm. and if given a gun at that point you'd probably kill yourself before you even got close just because the, the terror the abject terror yeah that you're going through during that fall it's 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 insidious it's cruel but that's what i was experiencing that day when when i was roared at yeah wow. that was in 1998 at the base of saddle mountain uh, that expedition I had, uh, I don't know if you know Peter Byrne or Ron Moorhead, but I had them yeah. with me uh, on my duration team, and, and I've gone out several times with them since, uh, camping and whatnot. But it, it yeah, unfortunately. And you've, and you've, let me go back to that. You've uh, done research in a lot of different places. I mean, not just in the Pacific Northwest, but do you find that your area there, the Pacific Northwest, that's the, that's the place to be if you really want to want to have an experience? I used to think that um, I've kind of had my eyes opened up a little bit. I've actually done research well in, in California, Northern California and the Sierras and the coast range. Um, uh, Arizona's got some very high mountains actually get snow every year. Um, Nebraska. I, I just came back year and a half ago from Alaska on a investigation mm-hmm. plan, plan to get back up there this year, this summer. Mm-hmm. 
um, all through Canada. I'm, I'm working on a. Oh, I'm sure there's I'm stuff working, in Canada. There's got to be stuff in. <laughs> oh yeah. Well, I've I'm I'm working with the gentleman to put together an expedition where we'll be flying out of Campbell River, uh, which in British Columbia is on the east side of Vancouver Island, about halfway okay. halfway in between. Okay. Um, this is a uh, First Nations bush guide, and and there'll be one other person with us, and we're going to fly in from Campbell River via helicopter and be dropped off in this very desolate place that has three different uh, watersheds and a couple different lakes. Mm. And we're going to stay up there a week, possibly two weeks before we radio for pickup. But um, yeah, there's <laughs> these things aren't, I wouldn't say concentrated so much in the Pacific Northwest, but they, they're certainly here, but they're not solely here. Yeah, uh, well, finding out. Like I say, this this experience in in Vancouver, or excuse me, in in Nebraska was to this day the most mind-boggling. I'm probably well, going overtime here. Sure too. I I I'm, I know I'm probably getting overtime here, but I'll, I'll I have to tell you a couple of things that happened on that trip. I, yeah, I, please. No, no. One one time I wanted to get out there during the daytime. Mm-hmm. I insisted on it because. You take me into a setting that I'm not familiar with in pitch blackness. It's not fair. I mean, what the hell do I know? Right. <laughs> what it looks like in daylight. Is there a road back there? Is there yeah. a house back there? I mean, it is black as it could be. Right. And, right. and, uh, so I, I w- went out there during the daytime, two o'clock in the afternoon. I, I was not knowing that I was going to be going in the field and uh, I was actually going there for another purpose, but I, uh, I, I wish I would have brought some game cams cause I would have put them all over out there. Mm. Um, but I did happen to bring me, uh, bring along this, uh, Tascam digital tape recorder, which you probably know will tape for two or three days straight. And oh, yeah. so oh, yeah. I went out there in the middle of the day, and I went to turn that sucker on. I hit the button. The red light came on. I went, yeah, full batteries, put it out. As soon as I stand up, off to my left, here's a little Miss Sing song. Broad daylight. Wow. She's doing that song again. And I'm like, I didn't, I don't know why. I just didn't expect any activity during the day. Right. And I put this microphone out in the general area where they were at, hoping I'm going to get something. And as soon as I stood up, here she goes singing to the choir. And and uh, there's no way a coyote or anything could do what, what I heard. So I'm like, yeah, I got it. I, I'm pretty sure I got that. <laughs> I turn around and start walking back to the my rental car down at the road. I got about maybe 10, 15 feet when I heard. Oh shit! <laughs> That's the only second time I've heard tree knocks in 28 years. Yeah, but this was six in a row, five, ten times louder than that. Wood on wood, and so rapid. That's the thing that got me. It was literally. It was I mean, crazy. I don't know if it had drumsticks. I mean, I, I'm trying to picture doing right. this. Right. But whatever the case, three very loud cracks of wood on wood from a whole different direction. And I'm like, damn out of here. 
And I'm thinking, I got that on tape too, right? Yeah, I yeah. <laughs> I later go back, later go back to to get my recorder. Are you familiar with Hascams? I am, yes. Okay. So you know that when you push the power button once, you get a red light. Right. You have to push it a second time to get it's the... flashing. Yeah. So you know it's, re- yeah. it's recording. Dumb shit, pushed the button once, saw the red light, assumed it was recording. Obviously, I hadn't <laughs> used it for a little while. And I got zipped. Nothing. Oh. Man, oh, now, man. One yeah. last, one last thing that happened Please. there that that is uh, again con- it confirms to me that whatever's behind those lights, and and I have to tell you those lights mm-hmm. would could be start out dim, they would increase in intensity. Sometimes I wouldn't say blinding, but I mean very intense. Right. And at times they would actually change color or tone. Mm. Uh, most of the time they were white, almost a bluish white, but at other times they would shift to orange or even red. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, sometimes they would blink out, be gone for 20, 30 seconds, and then they'd come back on in a different location. And that's so crazy. And but anyway, this one night we were out with my, my native friend and, and we weren't getting a lot of activity initially. And he was getting a little discouraged and goes, you know what? He said, I'm going to try something. I haven't done this for some time, but in the past when I've done this, um, it seems to get their attention because I I'm going to pray with them. Mm. And I said, really? Okay. And he goes, yeah. He goes, sometimes when I do that, they, they'll respond. So he's like, oh, Kage, I want to pray for you and my, and your family and your children with this virus going around. I, we want to pray that you're safe and that, and that you're happy. And I want to, I want to discuss if you would like, I'll, I'll tell you about my creator and if you want, you know, gigaho, come closer and, and we'll mm-hmm. talk. So we both bow our heads and he goes into this prayer. About a two minute prayer, he got about a minute into it when at very close range, I kid you not, and I'm going to my wife's gonna kill me. You might want to turn your volume down. Anyway, <laughs> we get we get from out of nowhere we get this. Wow. Four times. Yeah. And it seemed like it was 50, 60 feet away. And I kept my head down like a good prayer guy. Mm -hmm. My friend keeps going along, finishes his prayer about a minute later. And then when he, he hardly got amen out of his mouth. I go, was that them? And he goes, oh yeah, that was them. It worked. I'm like, I'm like, holy crap. Yeah. But I'll tell you another thing that was weird and, and, you know, we can leave it at this if you'd like. Um, I did have my flare with me. I had a, I also had a video camera Mm -hmm. for the life of me. Even when I'm looking at these eyes in the woods, I could not pick up a heat signature. 
that's so crazy. Hmm. Which, you know, that's, that's what I wanted to ask you. I was like, and it's so funny that these native people have such a, a connection, you know, with this. And do you think what their, what their legend is true? I mean, do you think? Oh yeah. Okay. So well, do, you, a, do you believe, let me ask you this. Let me ask you this question. Do you believe it's a supernatural being? Or do you believe that it's a breathing, physical, organic thing like you and I? What do I believe or what do they believe? What do you believe? I believe we're dealing with a relic hominid species. Uh, not human, mm-hmm. but in the, in the same branch of, of humanoid or hominid. Mm-hmm. And there's been some discoveries, not of, of too old that mm-hmm. uh, of new species of, of human or, right. or, or hominid, such as the um, Homo florensis on the, the island of the tiny people, right? Yes. Yeah. They called, yeah, yeah, hob- yeah. They called them yeah. hobbits. They found one that was like three and a half feet high. And when they did the study on it, found out it was fully grown. Right. And then since then, they found a number of others. I mean, we haven't even found not just all the species out there, but not even all the human species. That's true. Uh, or hominid species. Um, right. We're still learning. Now we're learning uh, Cro-Magnon and Neanderthal interbred. We didn't. We thought there was a big gap between big, them. Yeah, exactly. Um, you look at the dispersion of said wild men, if you will, or forest giants, Um You've got the Yowie in Australia, in Yowie, yeah. China. China, you got the Yaren. You've got the Almasti and the Yeti in, in Russia. The Yeti in the in Nepal or in the mm-hmm. Himalayas, mm-hmm. or as Peter likes to call the Himalayas, but he would know. <laughs> he, he lived there for like twenty years. Uh, um, the um, well, even here locally, in Nebraska, right. they call them Satanga. Satanga, right? Satanga. Satanga. Okay. And Alaska, when I went up there and did some uh, investigating, I happened to meet and just really happenstance meet and have become friends with uh, a Inupiat chief Hmm. of an Eskimo tribe up there. Oh, wow. And he says, we call them Kushtakas. And they're, so here's the thing. When I first saw what I saw, I went straight to a library and checked out every book they had let me on the subject. I wanted to know the newest, latest, greatest technological information on these things that I saw. Right. And in very short order, I started doing the math and I went, hang on a minute. We've been here less than 300 years. And when I say we, I mean Europeans. Mm -hmm. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Native Americans have now been dated back here in North America 19,000 years. Right. 300? 1,900. <laughs> Who do you think yeah, has more knowledge? The most information. I mean, it's not even close. Yeah, yeah. You yeah. know, when you put it in those terms, you're absolutely right. You're absolutely Who right. Who has had to live symbiotically through millennia? Right side by side with these things than the Native Americans. And yeah. you'll find in, if you do the research, you'll find almost every tribe in this country has got a different name for them, whether it's Skookum or, or Bequas or Tsanaqua or Oma or Istiaha, you name it. They're out, almost every tribe has their own name, but 
ironically describes the exact same it's the same creature. legend it's the yeah. same legend yeah. and i think to to a degree uh worldwide yeah i'm gonna focus yeah yeah you can only yeah. do you can only focus so much on where you're at i understand yeah listen yeah. you can only do so much jay do you have any follow-up questions any last questions for todd while we have them? uh no i think we've covered quite a lot of ground for the evening uh i got some pretty good answers i think i'm going to do a little more research one last question that i have personally that if i want to play devil's advocate in any of this sure is the prolification of video cameras and game cameras that we have now we have video cameras that we've never had before where we could you know leave them there for days they can record for days we've never had that before question to you is and i know you probably know where i'm going with this is that We've got the Patterson Gimlin footage, right? But why isn't there any other kind of footage out there that's similar to that, or if not better, even with the technology that we have today? Is it because the IQ of these species, or what, what's your excuse? What, what's your, you know, explanation to that? Well, in a word, odds. Uh, but I, I, I will have to back up a little bit in saying that. Uh, while some people claim that not only do they detect these things, they see them and somehow know what their function is, which I don't believe, uh, and for that reason avoid them, uh, again, I'm not there. You know, with all these different camouflage patterns and stuff they have for those, and now the, 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 the stealth IR that really doesn't put out a, uh, a bright beam, I I even struggled with the idea that, that they can see them right. or sense them. Um, remember I told you I got traced, chased by a grizzly up in uh, British yeah. Columbia? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I put together a, uh expedition known as Operation Sea Monkey. Uh, yeah, that's another thing I wanted to ask you about. But, yeah, go ahead. So we took a trawler, a 50-foot trawler, and a couple Zodiacs, on a 140 mile round trip into what's called the Broughton Archipelago, which is a cluster of literally a, over a hundred islands, mostly small islands, a few big islands. And uh, we would anchor offshore a different island every afternoon. We would take the Zodiacs ashore, put up game cams and seismic ground sensors. And then we would monitor through the night these beaches because my my bush guide told me, you got to go now because this is when the clam tides come in. This is late September, early October. This is when the clam tides come in. This is when my my people for thousands of years have harvested clams. And don't fool yourselves, the bear, the, the wolf, uh, mm -hmm. uh, the Bigfoot, they are all aware of this food source just underneath the sand. Mm -hmm. And this is when you need to go. So our objective was one more of a scouting mission for future expeditions where we could stay for three months, you know, an entire summer up there. Right. But it was also uh, our way of, of trying to validate this, this uh, mm -hmm. clam tide deal. And, and so on the last, the last day, the last evening, I had asked the captain if he could find this, Find me on an island that's got a river coming off it. I'm thinking there may be fish runs. It may bring in the Bigfoot. You know, we still keep close to shore, but at the mouth of this river where it dumps into the sound. And we got to shore in an unusual fashion. We had a, there were five of us in the Zodiac. Mm -hmm. Four of us were to be dropped off. 
with the bush guides staying in the zodiac. The approach to the island is extremely shallow. I mean, it's like three feet deep, about 100 feet out. Mm -hmm. So rather than trying to drop us way the hell out there, there was a a man-made jetty that was about eight feet tall that somebody had built on the on one side of the mouth of the river mm-hmm. so our guy drops us off on the jetty and we pack all of our gear till we got to the beach and jumped off the jetty and as soon as we did here are these tracks bigger than dinner plate mm. i mean they looked like dinosaur tracks i would just wow. i'd never seen tracks that big in my life of anything <laughs> and uh and, well, I, I'd put Bigfoot in that category, but they're different. I mean, these were just amazing, and you know, were you able ones. to cast of any of those uh, those 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 impressions? Are, are you kidding? kidding me? As soon as we got on a beach, I said, "Guys, number <laughs> That's one, a stupid question." <laughs> I said, "We're not alone." Number two, yeah, let's get those cameras up and get the hell out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so we're out there. We're out there, uh, and I said, stick close, you know, not too far inland, because this river was blocking our movement anywhere to the west, which meant we had to go either upriver or into the forest or over that jetty to the other side of the beach. So uh, I don't know if you know Gunnar Monson is, but he runs the Sasquatch Coffee Company anyway. Mm-hmm. He also runs a, a, a podcast, and uh, anyway, he uh, he had the radio, and Tom Seawood, who's a published author out of Canada and a researcher, was with us, and then my cameraman, and they just got the second camera up when over the radio comes the captain. Mm-hmm. He says, "Hey, uh, how's it going?" Gunner goes, oh, it's going pretty good. We got two cameras up. We just need to get a seismic ground sensor in. Oh, very good, very good. Uh, say, um, who's got the shotgun? <laughs> it's a rather odd question, but uh-huh. You know, crickets. Right. And he goes, uh, niece, why? And he goes, yeah, you might want to load it. There's a bar coming. <laughs> so... <laughs> Two things struck me. One, there's a buyer coming, and two, yeah. you might want to load it. I'm like, right. I thought it was loaded. <laughs> so I, I open up the breach on this 12 gauge, and it's empty. Oh, Lord. well, in my pocket, I had a one of those zippered bank bags, you know, where they'll put money and coins in the little vinyl mm-hmm. bags. Yeah. I remember the bush guide gave me this this bag full of shells. So I'm like, you know, I'm walking around like. G.I. Joe, I got this unloaded shotgun. Anyway, so I immediately set about, I open the bag and, and, and I look in there and all these shotgun shells from being on the boat in saltwater are rusted to hell. Oh, no. You know, you got the plastic tube with the little brass part? Well, there was no brass part. It was all crusted. Rust. So I go in and I'm trying to jam this in directly into the breach and I can't get the breach to lock. I finally, after about 10 times, I finally got it to lock. And then I just fed the tube with everything I had left, not even knowing if the first one's going to go off. And if it does, if I'm even going to be able to extract it and get another one in. Right. Yeah. So I'm thinking I got one shot at most. So of course, being the expedition leader, everybody's looking at me. 
they're like their eyes are as big as saucers like what do we do <laughs> i'm like okay okay i think i saw this on that geo one day um uh, let's all spread out and make lots of noise now we know somewhere on the other side of the jetty which we're not tall enough to see over Right. is a full-size male grizzly heading our direction. So we, but we have no idea how close it is. And that jetty is our extraction point. Mm-hmm. So one way or the other, we're either going to – we either got to get to that jetty or jump in the river and hope it carries us out to sea and the grizzly doesn't follow. Right. So, again, I tell them, let's spread out and make nice. Yeah. And they're like, okay. So we spread out, and we're all just walking like, like gunslingers in the OK Corral, <laughs> you know, chink, chink. Yeah, yeah. Nobody's in a hurry to get to that jetty because we don't know how close that bear is. Right. I said, Gunner, get on the get on the horn and ask him, you know, for an update on the bear. So he gets on the. Hey, this is Gunner. Can I get an update on the bear? And their response was unbelievable. They came back with. Hey, we're trying to film the bear. Radio silence out. <laughs> now, in in that five second, we're trying to film. The, you could have said 100 yards right. in less than half that time. You could have said 300. You know, put our, our mind at ease and said we're we're like faced with. Okay, they're out there filming this grizzly for what the next. National Geographic meets Faces of Death sequence. Right, yeah. (laughs) I'm like, come on. Yeah. So we're still kind of, so I'm like, guys, guys, we need to make noise. So, you know, somebody make noise. Well, I can't make this shit up. Tom Steenberg, bless his heart, suddenly starts belting out, the bare necessities, the simple bare necessities. Forget about you. the the Jungle Book song. Oh boy, yeah, yeah. right, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, we're not dealing with blue, really. Yeah, and uh, just out of, I mean, we all just kind of stood there, and then all of a sudden, just out of nervousness, we all started, yeah, song it, started yeah. singing it too, and it helped calm us down a little bit. Good, good, good. Yeah. Anyway. Long story short, we obviously survived. There you go. Uh, the bear was literally on the other side of the jetty, though, because when the Zodiac came around, yeah. they're like, oh, we're saved. And then Tom starts slapping the plastic console for the steering center steering deal right. as loud as he can. And I'm like, he ain't doing that for our benefit. He's just mm-hmm. slapping his heart again. Then he, then he stops and starts yelling in his native language of Kwakwakiwak, which is right. the truth. And he's yelling, and I'm like, later I asked him, what were you yelling at the bear? And he says, I was just telling him that uh, we mean no harm, and we don't want to have to kill you. I'm like, you threatened a grizzly bear. He threatened a grizzly bear. With my life. <laughs> but anyway, oh, <laughs> anyway, what's interesting is next morning, yeah, uh, went back to pick up the cameras and the seismic sensor. Yeah. And one camera was torn completely, I mean, ripped off of a tree. Mm-hmm. The second camera was canted like 45 degrees. Got some amazing video because we went back and looked at the, the SD RAM card on our computer on, the, on board the, mm-hmm. the, the trawler. 
here's this you're like watching this big sow big grizzly strolling kind of and then she stops and looks at the camera and all of a sudden the picture starts going mm. we're like something's messing with the camera right next thing you know it comes around and you get the perfect shot that you never want to literally see which is the mouth inside of a grizzly bear's mouth as it's chomping on the camera there you go rips it down jumps up and down on it and knock the other one sideways and then we got another uh, we got another really good shot of a of a timber wolf went through we looked at the date time we looked at the date time stamp Mm -hmm. do you know how long it took them to find to to even detect those cameras how long and, and tear them down less than two hours Oh, geez. They didn't even last that long. Wow. And the first animals to come along. Rips it apart and shreds it. Right? So so that kind of blew my theory of, oh, well, they don't see them because they're camouflaged. They either smell them or they see them. I don't know. But but so. It's amazing. It's amazing. It's amazing. Anyway. Todd. I I do think it comes down to odds. That's all I'm just saying. It's, It's just odds. Yeah, no, no, it makes perfect sense. And, you know, listen, I mean, if there's anybody that would know, it'd be you. You've done this for so long. And, um, you know, what's next in the horizon for you, Todd? You know, before we let you go, what's next? What you have any big projects coming up? I know you just filmed something last year for Unexplained that came out earlier this year. I mean, what else do you have going on? Let me check my calendar. (laughs) 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 Uh, So I've got a potential opportunity in june to work with uh filmmaker stephen majors oh wow okay uh and along the Oregon, or excuse me the washington canada border uh of course i've got beachfoot coming up right on the heels of that that's four days of right of uh good times um i've got another group that's talking about doing a mini series in oklahoma Louisiana. Wow. And one other state. They're talking about a mini series there. Um, and I told you about this potential helicopter right. lift, lift up high. Yeah, you did. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. Um, and who knows? I mean, well, no, it sounds like you're going to you know. start filling up. I'm, I'm already booking uh, conferences next summer and, and, and yeah. expeditions and whatnot. So it's really going to depend. I, I now that I've retired, I, uh, I'm really seeing my research accelerate. Now that I've, yeah. I can really devote myself to to the effort. So yeah, 100 percent of the time. Yeah. Now, which which. But thank which you for big... asking, and thank you for having me on. Really. It's yeah. Amazing. No. Absolutely. I, it's a pleasure. And um, is there anywhere everybody can follow your stuff as well, Todd? Okay. So my uh, 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 more than welcome to contact me directly. Uh, my email, which is American Primate. So the word American plus the word, well, P-R-I-M-A-T-E at AOL.com. We have a website for the American Primate Conservancy, which is AmericanPrimate.org. You can kind of keep up with this there, although I need to get in there and update it. I have three Facebook pages I'll put out real quick. My personal one, just under my name. The American, uh, there's an American Primate Conservancy page, uh, as well as a Beachfoot page, and and I would, uh, I would encourage your your viewers to uh, 
just go to the Beachwood page and scroll through the photo gallery. Uh, like I said, everybody who's anybody in the field has pretty much been there one year, if not on repeat yeah. visits, and it's it's a lot of fun. Oh, and I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you please, this. Please, please. On, on uh, YouTube, mm -hmm. for those who uh, want to enjoy a pretty good video, actually, a friend of mine did a 10th anniversary Beachfoot uh video it's on youtube just look at for beach foot not bigfoot but beach foot mm -hmm. 10th anniversary and i would say bring some popcorn and kleenex because yeah. it it's really well done and it's really uh it really gives you a sense of of uh the friendships that are built there and and uh well we'll make sure we'll put the links at the bottom of this uh yeah. this video here yeah, yeah be because you know, everybody loves video and, um, you know, especially if they can find out more information about it, which is a great event, by the way, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, what a three or four day event on the, the beach over there in the Pacific Northwest. I mean, you guys do that every year. It's a, it's a great event. And yeah, I can't say more. Enough than, year now. Yeah. yeah, that's crazy. That's crazy. It's amazing. You guys have been doing it for so long, but listen, Todd, uh, it's been a pleasure having you on uh, dark fringe radio. Um, I implore everybody to follow all of your work. Um, again, we'll be putting all those links at the bottom of the page here on uh, the video. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, once I have everything up and ready for you, I'll be sending you the links and everything like that. But okay, um, okay. in the meantime, Todd, listen, thank you so much for coming on Dark Fringe Radio. Thank, it's you. Been thank you so much. An absolute pleasure. Thank you. All right, you guys. You take care. All right, Todd. Take care. Thank you, sir. Well, guys, I hope you enjoyed that interview with Mr. Todd Neese. Um, again, you can follow all of his work, all those websites that he mentioned there. And please uh, make sure you follow all of his work and uh, check out his latest episode on Unexplained. It was uh, ran in February. So uh, if you have a chance to, uh, uh, you know, have uh, the Discovery Channel, the History Channel on demand, uh, you can find that. Uh, it was in February where they talked about Bigfoot and a uh, great episode. So again, thank you, Todd Nees, for coming on the podcast. We really appreciate that and uh, really appreciate all your expertise on the Bigfoot Sasquatch. So um, anyways, uh, tonight, Jay, before we say goodnight uh, before, uh, you know, to everyone, uh, we'll usually do a segment called What to Watch. And it's just a suggestion uh, that you have, Jay, uh, whether it be TV, film or whatever it may be, uh, to What to Watch. And so what do you have this week for us for What to Watch? I'm going to bring us all the way back to the classic 1987 comedy. So appropriate for this week. <laughs> Harry and the Henderson. Wow. John Lithgow. John Lithgow. Yeah. Look at, you. Look at me. See, I remember. You. Yeah. 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 You know, and white people. I, listen, <laughs> who's my best friend? <laughs> this is true. That's true. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm his best friend. Right. And, and I'm white as bread. There you go. So, yeah, Harry and the Hendersons, John Lithgow. What a great, great movie. movie. I forgot about that movie, man. Great movie. Um, of course, starring not only John Lithgow, but yeah. the origins, the genesis of sports utility vehicles with his <laughs> Jeep Grand Cherokee. Yeah. Oh, wood paneled. Oh, yeah. Station wagon, four wheel. Family mobile. The family mobile. Yeah, uh, totally. but Harry and the Hendersons, great movie. Uh, kids, for those of you who've never heard of it, uh, it is a great movie about your normal suburban dad out. Uh, Takes the, the family out for camping trip, right? Across Sasquatch. Yeah, and somewhat adopting him. 
<laughs> well, they run into him literally. Right? Literally. <laughs> yeah. Literally. Yeah, literally. And uh yeah, then they take him in as a uh a pet, right? Yeah. <laughs> or another family member because be, they obviously become I, very attached to him. And- I, I think I and that's that was kind of what made it funny was he he kind of towed the line between yeah. Is he a pet or is he a family member? It, right. The missing link. So uh yeah. But great movie. Oh my god, great movie. Yeah, very funny. Yeah, it's just very, very interesting. I haven't seen it forever. I I'm gonna go watch it tonight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Harry and the Hendersons. Man, that really brought it back for me, man. You know, that's that's a great film. Great film. But uh Jay, that's a great one for what to watch, man. I can't really I can't really uh you know debate that one. Again, I would implore also people to check out the Patterson Gremlin uh video. That was the original video, of course, of Sasquatch supposedly walking and you see that video of him like looking back and all that shit. Yeah. So, um, you know, check it out. It's it's pretty interesting. I mean, I'm not com- completely convinced that that was a uh, you know a true Sasquatch, but you know, our uh, of course our uh, you know our guest that came on the podcast was convinced that it was, and you know, uh, you know, thinks that it is a true Sasquatch. But you know, check it out for yourself. The Patterson uh, Gremlin uh, video footage. I'm sure you can find it on the YouTube. It's very simple and easy to find. So check that out. But uh, yeah, that's it for tonight, Jay. Uh, thank you for that What to Watch, and I really appreciate it. And uh, before we say goodnight, I just wanted to remind everybody, again, you can follow us at Dark Fringe Radio on our social media. And, of course, you can listen to our website or listen to our episodes on our website, excuse me, at Dark Fringe Radio or darkfringeradio.com. What about that Indian strain? Yeah. <laughs> you know what it is? My brain is moving faster than my mouth, and that's a problem sometimes. So, is that you know, what it is? That's what it is. I already know. Is that's that what the, it is. That's what it is. I'm it, surprised your brain can move at that speed. Oh wow! No, no, I mean no disrespect, my guy, because <laughs> I know when I become in a compromised state that my brain speed slows is down. Sluggish. Yeah, not me. Mine yes. goes like this. I'm like firing on all pistons. Yeah, no. See, I need it to get my pistons to misfire. Oh yeah, no, I'm completely functioning when it comes to that. Like you know, like. We need to do something right now. We can do it right now. <laughs> oh no, I'm not saying we can't do it. No, no, don't get me wrong. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yes, yeah. you misunderstand. I'm just simply saying my the brain speed. kick. My brain puts its speed up and goes, "Whoa, man!" Yeah, Whoa. why are you going that fast? Why are we in a rush, guys? Why are we in a rush? Let's enjoy the journey. Yeah, let's enjoy this. Peace yeah, be yeah. the journey. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, uh, well, Jay, um, that's it for. Uh, this week's episode of Dark Fringe Radio. Listen to our Anything, website. Yes, listen through our website, darkfringeradio.com. Uh, thank you, Jay, for that. And uh, anything else to add for tonight before we say goodnight? Nope. There you go. All right. Well, listen, thank you, everybody, for listening in on another edition and episode of Dark Fringe Radio. We really appreciate our guest, Mr. Todd Needs, for coming on the podcast. And we appreciate you for listening to the podcast. And we'll see you guys again next week. Thank you for listening to Dark Fringe Radio recorded in the Mephistopheles Studios. Any correspondence can be sent to thedarkfringe at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.